whoa, 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 hang on a moment. Yes, you know what time it is. This is Jen, your host, and this podcast is all about taking agency and owning yourself. And every week on this show, I'm going to help you use your voice, stand in your power, and operate from a place of self. everybody and welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Jen and I'm your host for today and today we're going to talk about self-accountability and self-awareness. Now this is so important to having agency and owning, owning yourself because you know in my mind how can you move forward if you don't know what's holding you back? So you know it's a, it's, it's a common statement that I use Um, to myself, to my clients in business. And I wanted to kind of bring it to the podcast arena today. Obviously, Hang On A Moment is all about having agency and owning yourself and standing in your power. And actually, that power gets diluted, diluted, and it gets reduced when you are unawares of what it is that is holding you back. And so being accountable to yourself is also about having a level of self-awareness because if you don't know what's there, how can you do anything about it? So a few weeks ago, I released an episode on radical self-responsibility And I've just mentioned um, self-accountability, and I just wanted to explain the difference between responsibility and accountability, which are by and large the same. But responsibility is about making something happen. So radical self-responsibility is about doing doing it and saying, "I'm I'm I'm here. I'm here. I'm doing it. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to do whatever it takes." Okay. But if you're not accountable to yourself, if you don't know that you need radical self-responsibility in the first place because you haven't identified where your gaps are or where your blind spots are or, or you know, where you want to get to um, in terms of moving yourself forward around your sort of your well-being and your life and things that might be holding you back, then it's impossible um to to even be responsible if you can't be accountable. So there is a matrix that is used in the workplace, and I use it quite a lot from a project and change perspective um, in the people space over the years, and it is called ERACI. And that is basically an acronym of responsible, accountability, who do you consult, and who do you inform? And um, the reason why responsible is before accountable is just because of the acronym but actually accountable is higher than responsibility so you know your first thing you'd want to be who's your accountable person so that might be the ceo or a director Um, and then your responsible person might be the next line down or the project lead or the transformation director or whoever is looking after that piece of work and so obviously, when we're looking at those roles within ourselves, 
then obviously we have to assume all of those roles because we have to be the accountable person and the responsible person for ourselves because nobody is going to do that for us. However, we might have people who we might want to consult and inform and even people that will support us along the way, which I'll get to shortly. Um, But yeah, I thought I would do this episode on a bit of a hybrid on um, how we can you know, discover a bit more about ourselves, but also, you know, how how we might want to create a bit of a project plan for change. Because one of the things that I've realised over my professional career, which has been over 25 years in the HR space, moving into change management and transformation, um, you know, up to strategic level, is that a lot of the skills that we deploy in the, deploy in the business world we can deploy to ourselves. And actually, when people talk about being the CEO of your own life, hell yeah, let's put some of those business processes, those business um, strategies, those change management techniques into how we manage ourselves because they actually do work and they do work in a very transferable way. So I have worked outside of the HR space in three areas now. And they've all been about personal development of one area or another. So the first area was um, an image consultant and a personal stylist where I was working with individuals who were not happy with their clothes, their dress sense. They just had basically lost their way with their style and their personal brand. And then I've also been working with people on their health and their fitness. So that was again more around exercise and diet regimes, body movement. And now I'm obviously a well-being coach. So I work with people on the overall holistic approach. And obviously some of that, some of what gets touched on might be how people feel they look, you know, how they present themselves. I don't tend to go into the image side of things so much, but of course, if that was necessary with any of my um, clients, because everything is a bespoke um, practice, then of course, I would also offer that as well as part of the package. Um, But, you know, how we feel on the inside is super important, but sometimes also how we are on the outside. And actually, to be the best version of ourselves, we need to feel great about who we are, great about how we look. And when I say great about how we look, it's how we feel when we look in the mirror. It's not about what other people's perceptions are of us. It's how we feel about ourselves. So yeah, let's get into it. So as I said, in order to move forward, you have to know what's holding you back. So if I was ever going to um, work with a client on a piece of change or transformation and they'd brought me in to do a specific piece of work, clearly I, I kind of already knew what that was because we'd already had initial conversations. But when we were getting into the initial kind of deep dive and I was really going into that kind of like, let's get under the skin of everything, my first question would always be, why? And then it would be what? So why do you want to do this? What do you want to do? And then it would be how and how are we going to get there? And I would then also try to find out what resources I would have available. So again, I'll talk about that later. So again, what I want want you to do is kind of take this information and sort of transpose it into you and your life and being the CEO of your own life. But I just want to use this structure to help how you might be able to do that. So One of the first reasons why most people um, will look to do any kind of change or any business will look to do any kind of change is is 
a push or a pull factor. So a push or a pull factor will be your main motivator. That will be like your guiding star. So in a lot of organizations, when they're looking to do change and transformation, it can be due due to the market position. It can be due to um, cost control. It can be due to um, improving their standards. It can be due to um, winning market share. It can be due to launching a new arm of the business. So if you look at some of the reasons why an organization changes, then ultimately they can also be some of the reasons why you change. You know, you want to step into a new part of your life. Perhaps you're branching out into a new domain, um, a new career. You're doing something quite different. Um, You want to perhaps attract a new partner um, or you're looking to attract some new friends or you're going for a career change. So there's a load of reasons why. And ultimately, they would more likely be your um, pull factors. But sometimes there's going to be a push factor. And so the push factor for change is going to be things like in a business, it would be like negative feedback, very low quality, losing traction in the market, um, seriously reprimanded by any kind of controlling and governing body for substandard behaviours and procedures. Um, again, behaviours and procedures. So something might have been pulled out through a tribunal um, where people have taken an employer to court. So they've had to go away and, 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 and do something for that reason as well, or changes in the law. So again, stuff that's out of their control, but that they've got to do basically. So there's a push factor. And it's the same with us as individual, you know, a push factor for us might be our health, we might get a health warning, um, we might get very sick. So that might not be a warning, it might actually be, yeah, you need to change. Um, we might um, realise that we're, you know, in an abusive relationship or that our relationship is failing us or that we've got some problems with our um, with our family. Um, or it could be that we are seriously drowning in debt and we don't know how to get out of it. So again, they're going to be push factors. So there's a lot of, of reasons why we change and sometimes they happen to us or we make them happen. But ultimately, The end goal is to know, as I said at the beginning, is what's holding us back so that you can move forward. Because you cannot go forward if you don't know what's holding you back. So, you know, you do need to ask this question, why? And you do need to hold that why, that key why, as your guiding star. That's your main motivator to make things change and to make things happen. But I just wanted to use this statement, which you may or may not have heard before. And I remember somebody told me this very, very early on in my career when I was working actually in the HR space, but actually sort of selling training courses to some membership companies of the business that I worked for, because I, I did work for um, the Manchester Chamber of Commerce and Industry, which was obviously a business support. I think they still exist now. Um, and they help small businesses and medium sized businesses to build and grow. Um, so I worked for that organization and I was in a kind of a, I guess, a, an advisory role where I was selling and identifying because I was actually selling training courses. And this is the this is the statement which is so good for probing, opening and probing. And the statement is, I keep six honest serving men. They taught me all I knew. Their names are what and why and when and how and where and who. 
Now, that is um, part of a poem by Kipling, and it's about ensuring understanding and opening up curiosity. And I think when we're trying to probe into anything, whether that's ourselves, whether it's a client, whether it's a business, whether it's anything, we need to understand the answers to those questions. And those questions can be wild. You know, you could literally sit there and, and, and write out lots and lots of different questions. But as I said, they're great for opening and probing. So sometimes you open a question with one and then you probe with another. You open and pro you know again over my years of being a coach and being an interviewer and all the things that I've done in HR and and learning and development and project management and change uh, it's always been those questions that have allowed me to get the answers that I needed to move forward so I just came up with it's it's a list and you can use this list too you can write these down but I just came up with a list of things that you might want to ask yourself based on those um questions, those open and probing questions about why you want to change or what is it that's the push or the pull factor and what's driving you. And, you know, again, with anything in life, change has to either be enforced. So as I said before, it's because of a problem or a legal requirement or it's because of a necessity or it has to be desired. So it's either enforced or desired. So that's your motivation. It's your push or your pull. Um, So these are some questions. I'm just going to read through them and you can write them down um, or you can choose your own. But this is what when I was just free writing what some questions would be, this is what came up. So what do I want to change? What will it take to get there? What will I need? What will be the benefit? What will my end position be at its best? What? Could my end position be at its worst? Why should I do this? Why should I not? Why should I stay how I am? Why is the time right now? When should I start? When should I ask for help? How will I do it? How will I make sure that I'm on track? Where will I go for help? Where will the end result lead me? Where would I be if I didn't do this? Who am I today? Who do I want to be tomorrow? Who is a good role model? Who can sponsor me? And who should I avoid? (laughs) So those last two, I thought were really good because in the project world, we um, have sponsors. So again, if you've not really worked in the project space, you may not understand some of these terminologies, but I'm sure you all understand what a sponsor is. A sponsor can work in the coaching world, a sponsor can work in the L&D world, a sponsor can work in the outside of business world as well. And a sponsor is basically somebody, you know, quite often happens in education as well, who almost kind of... these twofold, they, they, they sort of take you under their wing and they will kind of sponsor the change piece. So they will fund it. They will provide resources for it and they will kind of sign off and fight corners. And it's a bit like that person is kind of like the overarching, the accountable person, if you like, to make sure that that change happens. So when I say who can sponsor me, you might want somebody who might have been, um, you know, a past employer who you had a great relationship with, a past leader who you actually say, look, can, can, can you sponsor me? 
um, to do this. Um, or, you know, it could be your partner because your partner might have said, look, I'm going to help you here because I know you want to start your business. So I'm going to sponsor you. Like I am literally going to help you. I'm going to give you like six months where you don't have to bring any income into the house so that you can go and set up your business. And because I've already got my own business, I can give you some advice. So let me sponsor you. So again, it's not going to be done in such a formal way, but that's what a sponsor is. And again, it's the same with personal development. And, you know, you also will have mentors as well. And mentors are people who have been there and done it, got the T-shirt, who can guide you from their experience. And a sponsor and a mentor may or may not be the same person, but they kind of have different roles. But the other part as well about who should I avoid, you know, if you're going into any kind of level of change, the last thing you want is people that are going to hold you back. The last thing you want are people that are going to hamper you. So, you know, what when you think when you're thinking again, I just brain dumped these questions as I was going through those um those six honest men. And, you know, I think when you're looking at um who should I avoid, it's like who gives you negative vibes, who is not a supporter, who drains you of your time, who um will hold you back they're the kinds of questions you want to ask and again that can be true in business as well as in general life so when we look at change management in the workplace and again as I said apply this directly to yourself as somebody who wants to change their life or change themselves in any way shape or form any area of your well-being any area of your life so this could be your health your fitness it could be your finances it could be your spirituality it could be your creativity your recreation could be your relationships with others could be your um, relationship with yourself and the first thing you want to know is what is the current state So when you're looking at change, you're always looking at what's the current situation or the as is and what's the future state or the desired state. So if I'm here now, where do I need to be? Where do I want to be? So that's kind of like a blue sky thinking in a way. You've kind of got two sort of sides of that coin. So the current state or the as is, what ideally what you probably really want to do is a starting point on that. A really good starting point is a bit of a SWOT analysis. So a SWOT analysis is strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. And what you're able to do here is if you're doing this on yourself for a particular part of your life is to see, well, what are your strengths in that area? What are your weaknesses? And this is about where you get to be really honest and like interrogate yourself um, interrogate with integrity. <laughs> and also, what's your opportunities? So what's out there for the taking? What can you do? What have you got in your kit bag already? You know, um, sort so of similar to strengths, but it's a bit more like, well, there's opportunities there. What can I do to get this? And then what are the threats? So, you know, what, what might bite you on the bum? What might pull you back? What might be a, you know, a non-starter? You know, identify those at the beginning because once you know those you can look at risk management I'm not going to talk about risk mitigation because we're getting way off topic here but you know in project world we look at risks and issues and we also look at lessons learned so what we do with projects is we identify this is in a brief nutshell here we identify what our risks and issues are whether they're likely to happen or actually happening which kind of defines between a a, a a risk and an actual issue. And then we look at the priority level of that in terms of, you know, how is that going to hamper the project? Is it, you know, is it a high scoring risk or low scoring risk, high scoring issue or low scoring issue? And then we also um, look at lessons learned and we kind of do this as we go in through the project, but always at the end to see actually, well, how could we have done it differently? And that's what we should do in life. You know, when we fail, when we succeed, we should always say, well, how, wow, yeah, what was it that made that so 
good or what was it that didn't work and then you've got some kind of you know learnings for next time and you may not do that you know (laughs) in the same kind of structured way that you do in business but it's absolutely something that you'll probably naturally do and it'll stay in your brain so always reflect back on past experiences you know what did and what didn't work um But as I said, the future state is a bit more of a blue sky or realistic. So, you know, future state might be if money was no object, if time was no object, if I was the best person in the world, if I had X, Y and Z, I could be this. And then your realistic thinking is a little bit like, okay, but, you know, I don't have all the time in the world and I'm probably not going to be able to do that. So, for example, a good example might be, okay, from a health perspective, right, you're a couch potato and then like future state, you might say, right, I want to do like an Ironman. I mean, that's blue sky. <laughs> that's blue sky. Okay, so you go realistic. So you might say, okay, I, w- I want to train for a marathon. That's still massive. But, you know, that might be an 18 month plan to get you to that point. Once you've done the marathon, then you go to the Ironman because then that's realistic, you know. So it's all about moving out of your comfort zone as well and looking at what's actually within your grasp. So sort of moving on from there, once you've got your kind of your current state um, or your as is and your future state, you then want to look at your gap analysis. So your gap analysis is really this critical information about, okay, how tall is this order, right? Because like I said, you know, it, let's just say you were like, I'm a couch potato, I want to do an Ironman next year. Mm-mm, Gap analysis would have screaming red lights all over that because like health-wise, you're not going to be ready. You're not going to be fit enough. Um, you know, on a wing and a prayer, you might be, but you'd have to literally probably stop working, like, you know, recruit the best coaches. Um, you know, you'd probably have to switch to, you know, like an athlete mentality. And, you know, for someone who's been a couch potato, that's probably not going to happen. So when you do your gap analysis, it allows you to see, okay, is this realistic? So then you can kind of, you know, reiterate that plan, I guess, and, and kind of see and also see what 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 might look like realistic might become unrealistic. Because when you see where the gap is, and you look at like what you need to plug in to get there, you might realise that it's impossible. So as I said, you, you might go, okay, I want to run a marathon in a year, I'm a couch potato, but I need, sorry, an iron man in a year, I'm a couch potato, but I'd need an Olympic um, qualified um, coach and you know I'd need to be eating you know the cleanest nutrition and you know my budget is like 150 pound a month it's like you can't do it it's impossible so that's kind of why you need to look at these things so it's so important to do that analysis of like where you are now versus where you want to be and what is within your grasp so what I then want to do once I've done this gap analysis and I've got some kind of realism, so I know like, okay, where we are now is is because of X, Y, and Z. Where we need to be is because of this reason and it's, it's feasible to get there. It's okay to get there. I then want to know, okay, I'd ha- probably have a rough idea because sometimes your as is might be your guide on some of these questions, but I then want to know, okay, what is the time frame? Is it pressurized or can there be slack? So if you're doing an Ironman, in a year's time, or you scrap that and you're doing a marathon, um, you're going to have to train, you know, pretty regularly. And let's just say in six months time, you are going to be off your feet because you're having a um, an operation. And that operation is going to set you back by about six weeks. It's not going to affect your running, but it means you're not going to be able to run. So it's not going to affect your agility around running because it's nothing to do with your legs or anything like that. But it's going to affect your ability to continue with your training. So it's going to put your training back. So again, 
you want to know, is the train like a hard and fast deadline or sorry, the time or is is there slack? Because if there's slack, which you kind of want to build into most projects anyway, most areas of change, like you want to know. So again, I'll use another good example, like when I've been doing fitness competitions or when I've been using a kind of like a, a body aesthetics goal. Um, and, you know, I've, I've always kind of usually gone in with 14 weeks that because I know, like I actually know I can do it in 10 if I really had to. So that gives me a buffer of four weeks. It gives me a bit of slack in there. You know, if it, if it doesn't go according to plan one week, it's okay because I've got a few weeks in there that are slack. But if I knew it was a hard and fast deadline, let's say the competition was in 10 weeks and I knew, know that I can only do it in 10, that would be really scary because I'd have no slack. So that's one of the things you need to think about. Also, what investment have you got? So this is, you know, financial investment as well. So as I said before, you know, you not, might need certain funds to be able to do something. You might need a coach, you might need a trainer, you might need to go on a training course, you might want to have a retreat you know, where you're thinking through, it might be a well-being retreat, um, lots of different things. And, you know, they might be a few thousand pounds and, you know, your budget might only be 500. So, you know, it, it changes what you're able to do. Um, and then you might also want to, well, you definitely will want to know this because this is always, again, about the end result. What are the standards and the measures of success? So what's going to get this signed off as done, as ready to move either to business as usual? So, for example, you know, again, I'm using business terms from a project management perspective. But if you were moving towards um training for a marathon in a year's time you know you'd want to train for that marathon you want to do the marathon that's going to be your time your standards and your measure of success probably one of your measures of success would be that you actually complete the marathon obviously some people don't you might want to have another one like you don't lose any toenails that's really difficult because I lost toenails running mine (laughs) um but you know one of your key measures of success will probably be a pb and if you're running um a marathon a second time, you probably want to beat that. So, you know, you've got a clear line there. You've got a bit of a KPI, key performance indicator, so you know exactly where you want to go. And they're the kind of things you want to think about with any kind of change. But you also want to think about, you know, who are the key stakeholders and what their role? So again, you know, I'm using this business terminology, but it's really good to understand like in life. And, and you know, are they hands-on or hands-off? Are they going to give me support? Like as in like emotional encouragement or are they going to, be act, be be act, you know, act for me or take action. You know, are they going to be easy to access or hard? So, you know, if you're thinking about that from a personal perspective, you know, you might think, okay, so again, let's say you're doing something, you've got children, your partner's going to help you look after the kids. So they're going to be hands off in terms of the stuff that you're doing because it's private, you're doing some personal development, but they're kind of going to be support for you because they're going to be in the background looking after the children while you're doing this work and um you know you might have another stakeholder in there which would be you know a diet club or um an app that you use or a coach and those things you know will be either easy to access or hard to access depending on the level of support that you've got from those coaches so it's all about like who's in the mix who's there to help you you know and what are their roles as well you know because you know some people might just be you know a background stakeholder like a cheerleader cheering you along somebody might be like actively involved with you doing the piece of work like a coach or a trainer um or your partner or a friend or somebody who's actually doing the doing the 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 the, the change piece with you uh, as a buddy um and then the final thing i'd want to ask 
when I was doing any kind of change and transformation piece, and I've touched on this already with things like the marathon and the Ironman, is, is this a phased approach or are we going all in? So I've done business projects for organisations, you know, and they're all in the area of people and culture. Um, but of course, there's a structure and a process around how we deliver this. And some of those have been done in one go. You know, so it might have been six months and I've just gone in and done it. It's an end project. It's done and dusted in six months. Some of them have been phased up to phase up to three phases um and you know as you get to the third phase what I've always said when you sort of if you're planning long-term planning for change you iterate the phases as you go so you kind of you know exactly what's in phase one and that's where you post most attention but you can kind of like what it allows you to do is like chunk stuff down as well so let's just say you were doing um I don't know you wanted to move overseas. So like phase one might be selling your house. So it might not even be looking overseas. Like phase one to move overseas might just be selling your house. Like phase two might then be, okay, I'm going to move over there and rent and I'm going to start looking at properties when I'm over there. And then phase three would be, right, I'm in my house. I've got my place. So when you're planning that far ahead, you're not going to be able to kind of like detail plan phase three because obviously it's so far down in the future, but you know what's happening. So you've got almost like milestones. That's basically what it is, like milestones of phases that you're moving through and you know what you need to do to get to each phase. And then as you get to each phase, that's when you do your project plan. And, you know, it might be you get to phase three and you might go, right, I'm here now. That's it. Like the, it's, the transformation piece of my life is done. You know, there's no more projects or you might get there and you might go, actually, you know what? I I don't like this, this, this city within this country. So, you know, I'm actually gonna, gonna change, but I'm gonna, I'm just gonna wait six months. So you might just yeah end that piece of of work or you might say it's it's a fourth iteration you know it's a it's a phase four and you know as I said I'm giving you a structure here you don't have to use this terminology you don't even have to do it to this level of rigor but it just helps when you're thinking about changing your life now (laughs) I've spent 30 minutes talking about how do we move forward but the best bit or the bit that I really wanted to talk about is how do we move forward if we don't know what's holding us back? And this goes into this whole level of self-awareness. Now, self-awareness is something that a lot of people struggle with because most people, they don't want to know either what they don't know or they don't want to know what they don't want to hear. And so that's the thing. It's like people don't always want to hear things about themselves that they're not happy with. Some people are pretty okay with it, resilient, confident, and yeah, they're, they're, they're okay with it. Some people aren't. Some people actually also just ignore the feedback. So some people will get feedback about how they are and will just blatantly ignore it. And, you know, I think in some situations, there are times where there is such a lack of self-awareness that it might be down to, yeah, stuff that's unallowing them to recognize that, you know, so I'm talking about a mental health issue, like a personality disorder or something like that. And, you know, I'm not saying that that is the case for everybody with a personality disorder. Um, and I'm not saying that is the case for 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 anybody per se. But, you know, I've I've witnessed this. I've witnessed this in some of my past relationships where they don't take on the feedback. They hear it regularly, but they don't take it on. So that the, there are times where this will happen. And, you know, that that requires more 
sort of clinical intervention really rather than just a coach or therapy it's it's really more clinical work and you know whether that person wants it or not that's that's another story but we're talking here about people who do want to know who do want to be aware and who do want to be in the driving seat of their own life the CEO of their own life so with the the gap analysis bit you know so again if we're looking at like okay here's the future state this is the current state this you've asked all those questions you know what you've got on the table you know where you need to get to what's holding you back this is the bit that you need to know because this is the only way you can move forward so for example you know let's talk about the marathon again if you're deciding that you want to train for an Ironman but you've Read it back in and you're going, right, okay, I'm a couch potato, but I want to be a marathon runner in a year's time. And one of your issues could be that you don't like listening to feedback from others or that you think that you know best about something and you don't. So as an example you know, from a nutritional perspective, you might believe that your way of doing stuff, your way of eating, your preferred way of eating is the only way. And so therefore, when people try to give you any other advice that might give you a different perspective, you might be very close to that. So I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Like, it's not particularly healthy for you because it's good to get other people's opinions and just say, you know, whole whole point about things like healthy debates and influences from others is to kind of like build your knowledge and your repertoire of what's available to you. But one of the things that, you know, might be in your way there is the fact that you are so, I guess, pig-headed <laughs> and not prepared to listen to others' advice. And, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be an issue for you if you want to move forward. And let's just think you're going to get in a coach as well to try and help you. But you've already kind of, well, you've not even identified this yet, but that's one of your traits. You're a bit pig-headed or you don't really want to take anything on. Um, then, you know, how are you going to to get past that? How are you going to work with that? So we none of us are perfect, right? I need to add this in because this is the point where, you know, I will hold my hand up and say, yeah, I have traits as well that people probably roll their eyes at. Everybody does. You know, we're not perfect, we're flawed human beings, but this is about what's good for you. This isn't about really what's good for others, although, of course, ideally you want to have relationships with others that work to your benefit and vice versa. But this is about you having a level of self-awareness that allows you to move forward. And so one of those things might be, um, I'll use an example, you might be very competitive. So you might be very competitive. And so what you might be doing is setting yourself unrealistic goals that actually aren't achievable. And so if somebody was to say that to you, that might um, distress you, might demotivate you, and therefore, you know, you might throw your toys out of the pram. So again, there's just a couple of examples of how you might behave. And again, that's kind of natural, normal, I guess, if you really want something and you can't do it because someone's told you it's not possible. But think back, think to the reason, I guess where I'm going here is the deeper reason of why are you so competitive? Why, why does it mean so much to you? Why, why, why can't you step back a bit? Why are you so argumentative? Why are you so um, unable to see somebody else's opinion? Why are you so unable to, um, you know, consider doing it a different way? There's there's a lot of reasons why, and some of this might come from stuff that you've been 
dealt by life in terms of life experiences, nature, nurture, things that happened earlier on in your life, relationships that you've been in. It might just be the ways and the, the, the situations that you've been put in. Again, you know, people pleasing is a common one through, um, you know, so I guess like childhood wounding or adult or childhood trauma where you get stuck in this point of your nervous system where you're just saying yes to everybody you're just fawning all the time because you don't really know how to say no because you're scared of saying no so sometimes you overcommit to things and you give more than you actually should so by doing this piece of work by doing the self-analysis what you can start to do is use those six honest men again and start asking questions asking questions about why you are the way you are and asking questions about what might stop you getting to where you need to be. You know, so those questions I gave you earlier, you can just rewrite those again for um, for the, the personal analysis piece. But how can you get how can you get self-awareness? And so the, the, one of the key areas of self-awareness is listening to feedback from others. And a lot of people really find this difficult. And therefore, you know, you might better, be better off starting with self-awareness because if you can open up your mind to some radical self-responsibility and really kind of go into places that you've never gone to before that might feel a bit yuck, might feel a bit stretchy because you're like, I don't really want to go there. I don't really want to look at my dark side, my shadow side, which is another area that you can look at because shadow side is the parts of us that we don't always like to talk about. We hide it, but it's the bit of us that we don't really like. Um, So that's one area you could have a look at. But, you know, also you can do other things as well, like just online tests. And so these are really simple, you know, so just a very, very simple one that you may have come across in the workplace Um, or generally. I mean, I actually see sometimes people put this on their dating profiles, which is the Myers-Briggs type indicator. So that's like whether you're an ENTF or um, uh, I I think I'm an extrovert um, E sensory um I can't even remember what what mine is to be honest but I did do mine fairly recently and it they are really interesting and they are really good in terms of how you work with others and I think there's like 16 different um roles within that so it's quite interesting to have a look at that but you know that's a starting point because once you actually go into that you can go yeah actually yeah I am a bit like that or you can challenge it because you can say actually no I'm not an extrovert because I'm an ambivert so I've always come out as an extrovert on my MBTI, but that's partly because when I'm with others, I have the energy because people give me energy, but like I need to have time out from others. So that's why I'm an ambivert. Like I need both in equal measures. Um, I'm an introvert and an extrovert. And I know when it's time out of either or situation and I either need people or I need to be on my own. But you know, this is why you do these awareness questionnaires, because once you kind of know yourself a little bit more, then you go deeper and you ask more questions. And um, it's very interesting. So you can do all sorts like that. You can Google online. There's loads of tests that you can do to find out everything. Um, You know, when I was searching for over the years that I've been, you know, 100% convinced that I had ADHD. You know, I've done loads of online tests for ADHD. They've always come out. Yes, it looks like you've probably got ADHD. And it's like, well, that was great because it was just reaffirming to me something I already knew. But again, to kind of get those answers, I had to be honest, like I get overwhelmed um I can procrastinate you know I mean we all do but with ADHD you know there's a bit more of an extreme approach to some of those behaviors and I'm combined type so I go from one to the other um when I'm you know when I'm when I'm having like a very kind of um ADHD induced time 
But most of the time, my ADHD is a huge superpower for me and um, it doesn't really affect me in a negative way at all most of the time. If anything, it's, it's, it's a power of mine and I, and I absolutely love it. But again, I became more self-aware about my ADHD from doing these online questionnaires. So definitely start with those. And then there's another one that you can use, which is amazing. And I love this tool. And when I was doing some resilience series on YouTube um, during the um, pandemic lockdown, I talked about this. And it's the Johari window. Now this, you can Google this, you can find it online. But this is really like a framework for understanding like conscious and unconscious bias towards yourself and others. But it really helps increase self-awareness and understanding of others. So if you're working in a team, you'd probably all do this. But actually, from a self perspective from a self-awareness perspective it allows you to discover what people think about you what your strengths are what your weaknesses are and also comparing that so comparing what you think versus what other people think so it's really really simple obviously you can find this online but one of the things you'd look at is like your open area so what things represent you that people know about so what's in the public domain you know what what do people what what you know what's what's out there about you you know like what do people know so like for example you know me like people know I had cancer people know I've got ADHD although they didn't in the past um because I'd I'd not had it confirmed um people yeah it's probably out there that I've I've worked in HR for 27 years it definitely is um you know it there's loads of information out there about me loads that everybody knows and then in the blind area this is where it's things yourself that you're that you're not aware of, but that others know about you. So, so this is like when people are giving you feedback. This is kind of where you kind of take some um, some areas of advice. So, a, a blind area doesn't always necessarily mean it's a great area. A blind area could be something that's not so good. So, for example, like I I wouldn't say it's a blind area now, but over the years, I've I've yeah, was always told that I talk really fast. And of course, I never knew that. Because when I'm talking, I'm just talking at what the speed is for me. But I know now that's obviously linked to ADHD, because we do everything fast. Um, But of course, you know, when I first was getting that on a regular basis, it was actually quite hurtful, because I remember having a, a conversation with a coach about this and saying, you know, I found it really hard to accept that because I wasn't doing it on purpose, like it was just my natural speed. And I felt like people were um, being a bit derogatory and I'll be honest even now people sometimes go whoa take a breath and oh it does like it irks me because I'm a bit like this this is my normal speed it's maybe not yours and maybe the way that you're receiving me but it's like it's good for me to know that it's good for me to know like a bit of a blind spot something that I never witnessed myself because I could never see or hear myself speak especially back in the day before like videos and audios that, you know, I did speak fast and that I do, yeah, let it all out sometimes without what appears to be taking a breath. Of course, if that was the truth, then I would have been dead. <laughs> but uh, I do take a breath. But, you know, these are the things. And it might also be, um, again, an ADHD commonality that a lot of people get told is that they don't listen. And it, again, it's a little bit of a of a fallacy because we do listen, but it appears that we don't because we're always, our brain's always going fast. But again, to have that feedback hurts, but actually it's good because I know that that's what people think about me sometimes. So feedback isn't always going to be easy to hear. 
But then on the flip side, you know, people will say to me, you're so inspiring. And so when I'm having a day where I don't feel so inspiring, I kind of have to remind myself of the great feedback I've had from multiple people over the years. Or, you know, again, another thing about my ADHD is my enthusiasm, my passion, you know, so I I hold on to those. And so it's really good, like having feedback from other people, that self-awareness, it allows you to understand, like, what do other people see that you don't see? So your blind bits aren't just your negative traits. Your blind bits are the qualities that sometimes you sadly aren't able to see. So you need to get more comfortable with actually who you are and what you bring to the table. And then, you know, there's a whole overview of how to do this online uh, in terms of what all the the squares mean. And, you know, if it's a big square, if it's a dark square, uh, sorry, if it's a small square and what all of this means. But also then the hidden area. So the hidden area is about really, you know, what is it that, um, that you, that you don't know about yourself and that others don't know about yourself, you know, so the hidden area is stuff that you're not even, you know, you're not even, even aware of it yet. You don't even know, you know, um, what this is or what this could be. So again, it's, it's just creating this whole opening to like, you know, understanding, um, you know, the future and how things could, you know, improve in the future in terms of your skills and what you bring to the table. So yeah, so the hidden is is really around um, what you know about yourself, but others don't know. And then the unknown is about what you don't know and what others don't know as well. So basically, you know, these are the things that um, you need to be aware of when you're thinking about, you know, self-awareness. Um, But, you know, there are plenty of other tools out there. And in the workplace, you know, you can also look at things like um, 360 feedback as well. And again, you know, a lot of this can be done automated through systems and it can be anonymous. And, you know, if you work in a a customer facing role um, or in in an environment where, you know, you get mystery shopped or where you um, people can submit feedback after they've had a situation or a, 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 a dealing with you. Uh, then you will get negative, sorry, negative, you will get regular feedback from your um, interactions. And that really helps to develop you as a person. Whatever you get in the workplace is obviously going to potentially apply to yourself outside of work as well. So really lean into getting any feedback in the workplace because it's it's really good. And if you really wanted to go very simple and you just wanted to understand, okay, let's go back to this whole thing about changing something about yourself and knowing kind of where you are right now and what you bring to the table. You can just actually create your own questionnaire. I have done this in the past and I have actually just gone. So for example, I've done this a few times when I've been like, okay, I really want to leave my job. Um, This was like earlier on in my career and it kind of led to me training to do the personal training and early training to do uh, qualified as an exercise to, to music teacher and um and this was really just going out and asking people you know a question like if if i was going to if if i ask, if i could ask you like what are my three skills that you think i bring to the table or that you can witness in me on a daily basis what would they be and so you know i i sent that questionnaire to my mum i sent that questionnaire to my sister i sent it to two of my friends i think i sent it to two of my colleagues and then there might have been another question in there as well along the lines of um 
what do you think is my biggest weakness in if I was looking to do something in this area what do you think is my biggest weakness so again let's go back to the marathon or let's go back to setting up a business you know you might want to ask people and they might come back to you and say well you've got a yeah you've you've you're not very fit or um you're not um have you got any experience running a business? You know, so these questions again, they might they might be like, actually, yeah. And obviously it's probably not going to tell you something you don't already know, but again, it's always good to get some other feedback from that. So I think, you know, when we're looking to be um accountable and to have this level of self-awareness, it's so important to know how we're gonna move forward and how we're going to, you know, remove those obstacles. And we we can't move forward if we don't know what's holding us back. So this is why we need to do this work. So I really hope today has helped. Um, as I said, it's been a bit of an overview about how we can change ourselves. You know, I do this work with my clients, but not everybody can afford or wants to have a, a private coach, you know, or, or a business consultant. So sometimes you need to do this work yourself and this is how you approach it, you know, in a nutshell. So I really hope that this has uh, supported you again with another area really of how to have agency and own yourself. If you want to stand in your power, if you want to change your life, if you want to become the best, best version of your Yourselves. these are the skills that you need you know so on that note I'm going to love you and leave you please share download and save and definitely subscribe if you like this podcast and I will speak to you next week all right take care guys much love bye